in your Bibles, if you would, I'll be there in a little bit. In Genesis uh, chapter 3, I'll be there in a little bit. There was a Muslim. He was in a taxi. And when he got in, he asked the driver to turn off the radio and explains that he must not hear music as decreed by his religion for in the time of the prophet there was no music and no radio. So the driver turns off the radio, stops the car, leans over and opens the back door. The Arab asks him, what are you doing? The taxi driver replied, in time of the prophet there were no taxis. So you get out of my car and wait for that stinking camel. <laughs> I thought that was good. Amen. <laughs> the title of my message this morning is real simple. Why religion still can't save you. <laughs> Why religion still can't save you. It's an amazing thing to me that people can stake their eternity upon religious rituals and religion and things like that and not the finished work of Christ. I mean, it's night and day, but yet the majority of people will trust religion without really trusting Christ. And that's a sad scenario, isn't it? Most of us know the history of Adam and Eve. Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed up on all men, for all have sinned. We know that story back and forth, don't we? But both ate of the forbidden tree. And it wasn't the forbidden tree, okay? It just wasn't about the knowledge of good and evil, but the tree represented a couple of things. The tree represented, would they trust God in what he had told Adam? Would there be belief and obedience, or would there be doubt and unbelief? And then also, who had the authority to decide what is right and good, or what is wrong and evil? Does God have the right to decide, or is it man who decides? You see, Adam, he represented mankind, and he, in his decision, said to God, me. I'm the one that has dominion. I'm the ruler, the judge, the authority who decides in this decision between good and evil. And so God was excluded from his decision, and he was no longer needed at that moment. And as a result of that, God was true, and man fell into sin. But their fall shows God was true Absolute authority. Because at that moment he ate that fruit, God judged man and Satan. But thank God in his mercy, he left a promise that in the future there could be an opportunity of reconciliation between God and man. That sin didn't have to take man to hell. It states in Genesis 3.15, he says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, 
and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and Christ did that on the cross, and thou shalt bruise his heel. That happened at the cross also. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. You see, man sinned, but God provided a sacrifice of death and shed blood to cover their sin. And God says it takes a blood death sacrifice for man's sins in order to reconcile man and God. It states in 1 Timothy 2, 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus Christ eventually came, that's what the prophecy was about, and he bruised the head of Satan, he defeated him. And because of Christ's work, he is the God-man. He can take the hand of God, deity, and the hand of man, humanity, as a sinner, and he can reunite that fellowship between God and man once again. Eve thought God promised was to be filled, fulfilled in her first son. It states in Genesis 4.1 that says this, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. The name Cain there means to acquire, to possess. In other words, Eve put all of her hopes into this promised one, but she believes it's her son, Cain. But then something happened. Genesis 4.2 says this, And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Eve had her second son, Abel. His name means vanity, useless. And for them to name him that, and Cain, his name, what it meant, it, it shows that she favored Cain. I've gotten a man from the Lord, she's saying. Some people believe that Eve had twins because it says here, the verse doesn't say that Adam knew her again, a second time, but the fact that she again bare. Later, when time it was for the sacrifices to be offered, both came on the same day. That indicates, some believe, the same age. Now, as we read this story here, let me just say it is true history. For some reason, man hates God, and he tries to discredit God all the time and tries to say the first 10, 11 ch uh, chapters of the book of Genesis is a myth. It's not based upon literal, factual, historical truth. And I just heard the Pope say that, matter of fact, last week, so it must be true. So anyway, but we know better, don't we? It is a fact. It is true here. Abel offered a God-required sacrifice that shed innocent blood of an animal and shed his blood, and he died. And that offering was accepted by God. Genesis 4.4 says this, And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof, 
And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offerings. It was a sacrifice of death and shed blood. That's what God called for. That's what Abel brought forth. But Cain, that's another story. That's where religion comes in. Verse 3 says this, In the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And he says in verse 5, But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. God didn't. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. But Abel here, he comes on the scene, he offers a sacrifice, it's accepted, but Cain offered his sacrifice, it was not accepted, because he had done it himself. He had, on his own, with his own hands, his own efforts, presented an offering to God, and that is religion. You see, religion is to trust what another has done for you. I mean, I'm sorry, that's true faith. But religion is, I'm trusting what I have done for the Lord. Amen? So did you get that or did I mess it all up for you? Cain's offering was rejected. It states in verse 6 and 7, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou uh, doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou... Doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. So here God gives Cain another chance. He says, Cain, listen, all you have to do is go get a blood sacrifice, an innocent animal, and let that be your offering for me. That's what I require, that's what I ask for. Go do that, and everything will be okay. You're the first in the family, you'll be ruling, no problem. But we know that Cain did not do that. And I personally believe Cain would not do that because he was upset, he was mad, and he's offended at God. It states in Genesis 4, 8, it says this here, And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. Nice guy, wasn't he? Should have done what God told him to do. You know, sin goes deeper and deeper and deeper when you don't take care of it, didn't it? And God judged Cain to be a vagabond on the earth and a wanderer. And he states this in Genesis chapter 4. He says this, And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. Now two important things there. It says that, Cain received a mark. Some people try to say that's the black race, and that's the devil's lie. You know, Cain was worried about going out into the world, and people would find out he's the one who slew Abel and so on, and he was kicked out that people would kill him. So God, in mercy, 
put some type of mark upon Cain that people would know that's Cain and if they would attempt to harm him that they would be punished seven times more. <laughs> and so the mark is a mark of mercy. And that's very important. The other thing it said in those verses that Cain, he found a wife. You can't always be perfect, but he found a wife. Some of you. This is really important to a lot of people. I remember when I had Dr. Ken Ham at our church at Emmanuel, I remember he said he had a friend from Australia. That's where Ken's from. And he said uh, this, his friend had witnessed to his neighbor repeatedly. And one day his neighbor, he was 80 years of age, and he was having chest pains, and it was obvious he was having a heart attack. And so the ambulance was on its way, and Ken Ham's friend witnessed to this neighbor again, and he said, please, receive Christ as your Savior. You need to believe in him, and so on. And the guy here, here's what he said. Now remember, he's 80 years old. He's having a heart attack. Okay, here's what he said. Well, if you believe the Bible, where did Cain get his wife? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Because nobody had explained to him how that could be, he would not believe. And you know, that is true among a lot of people. Actually, that's what started evolution in this country. 1925, the Scopes trial. It was the beginning of the end for education and the worldview because that's where the inroad for evolution took place in our country. Christian prosecutor William Jennings Bryan, he's supposed to be the Christian, was not able to answer this question that was posed to him by ACLU lawyer Clarence Darrell. The conversation went something like this. The ACLU, uh, their lawyer would ask the question the believer is supposed to answer. He said this, do you, Jennings Bryan, ever discover where Cain got his wife? No, sir, I leave that to the agnostics to hunt for. You never found out? Jennings Bryan said no. The Bible says Cain got one. Believer said, yes. You never tried to find out? No. The Bible says Cain got him a wife. Were there other people on the earth at that time? I cannot say. Question, you cannot say, did that ever be a part of your consideration? Never bothered me. The question, there were no others recorded but Cain got a wife? That's what the Bible said. Where did she come from? You don't know? And as a result of that conversation, the press was all from the country was there. They were there. And they focused on this trial and they learned something. So-called Christians can't defend the biblical record of its own history. 
Isn't that interesting? Just a few years back, late scientist Carl Sagan, he wrote a book, New York Times bestseller, and they made a movie of it. Some of you have seen it. Uh, the movie Contact with Jodie Foster. And in the movie, Jodie Foster, her name is Ellie. And Ellie, it's about her account of not getting answers from the pastor's wife about her study in Genesis when she could not figure out where Cain got his wife. I mean, people have a problem with that. This is used by many to try to prove that the Bible is wrong. The Bible is full of contradictions that the Bible can't be defended concerning history. So the question is, where did Cain get his wife? Well, Genesis 5, 5 says this here. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. He was 930 years old. This was before the flood, before the changes of the seasons and so on. How many generations are possible in 930 years? In chapter 1, verse 28, the Lord had told him in the middle of that verse, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth way back. The Jewish tradition says that Adam had 33 sons and 32 daughters. <laughs> And then there's their families. That word multiply gives the indication they had large families. My mom produced 10, <laughs> and I'm the baby of the family. I'm younger than, than you, Carol. <laughs> I'm kidding. They had no contraceptives or abortions back then. And so... For them to be large, that was true of their offspring. The average lifespan before the flood, the average lifespan was 912 years. How many kids could you have in 912 years? Dr. Henry Morris, the great scientist who's with God now, he used to go to universities and debate and prove creation over evolution. He was tremendous. And he said an, a conservative estimate of how many people were on the earth when, the, when Cain was there. He said there were millions of people on the earth. You just go down the genealogies, how many years they lived, they could produce, and so on and everything like that. They only mentioned three in our context because of their importance. Cain, Abel, Seth, but there were many others. So, don't miss this. Cain married one of his sisters, his cousins, or a niece. He married a close relative. Who did Cain marry? One of his family members. A close relative. Well, thank God he didn't marry his brother. But anyway, notice... He married one of his close relatives, right? And if not, there would not have been any more people. Some cry out objection. They say, well, even in the Moses' law there, uh, doesn't permit that. 
a brother or sister or a relationship intermarrying? No, that can't happen. But I say as Dr. Ken Ham, who was a scientist and is, he said this, actually, if you don't marry your relationship, you don't marry a human. Because we all came from Adam and Eve. Amen? And by the way, I heard some scientists saying that civilization came from one couple. We could have told them that years ago. That's interesting to me. You see, the law, the Mosaic law that forbids it, was not given until Leviticus 18 through 20. But during Adam's time, it was okay. If you remember, Abraham married sister, uh, married Sarah, his half-sister. And that was 400 years prior to Moses and the law. Today, the fear is that close relatives marrying like that, you could produce some deformities. They say, children now, we have our genes, and we can pass those things on to other people now. And we know because of sin's curse, it's produced many physical defects and mental mistakes. But the fact, it didn't apply in Adam's lifetime. There were no mutant genes at the start. But by the time of Moses, 2,500 years after Adam, later on, sin took its course and there were degenerative mistakes that had accumulated that one, if they were too close to the family, could pass it on to that family member. But you know, they really didn't have to worry about it because there were plenty of people on the earth and there was really no need to marry immediate family members even in Cain's day. The law says no, not to marry close, but it's different before the flood. Genesis 4, 16, 17. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife. She conceived and bare Enoch. He built the city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. Now, the question is this here. Did Cain find his wife in the land of Nod? And the answer is no. As long as Cain was under Adam's home, the head was the one that was responsible to make the offerings for the home to God and his family. If Cain lived inside the house where Adam lived, it was Adam's responsibility to make an offering for his home and his family. He was the priest of the home. So Cain himself bringing an offering shows Cain already was the head of his own home, his own family already established. So when Cain left, Cain took his already sister, cousin, wife with him to nod. He was already married before he ever left. The other thing is, in verse 17, it states Cain knew his wife. That's not talking about 
meeting for the first time and marrying. It means he had a sexual relationship with his existing wife that produced a baby boy by the name of Enoch. That's what the word knew there. To prove that, chapter 4, verse 1, and Adam, what? Knew Eve, his wife. Was that the first time that he had met Eve? Of course not. It means Adam had a sexual relationship with Eve, and she produced a son by the name of Cain. You see that? So for Cain to know his wife, it was in an intimate way, not that he met her somewhere there. Genesis 14, uh, 4, 14, 15. Notice it states, Behold, thou hast driven me out, this day from the face of the earth and from thy face shall I be hid and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth and it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall, uh, shall stay me, shall, I can't see, slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Now, my question is, who was Cain fearful of? There had to be a population. There had to be lots of others. <laughs> Amen? And that proves that once again. And also, I think it's interesting, and I've come down stretch, but I, I think it's interesting that he built a city. Do you remember later on the Tower of Babel, what did God tell the people to do? Spread out all over, but what did they do? They stayed in one located place out of the will of God. What did Cain do? He didn't just go out, he built a city. And that's where he stayed. He didn't wander, he wasn't a vagabond, and he even named it after his own son. Now, remember, the underlying battle here yeah, that was taking place. Cain represents man's religion that tries to take away the authority of the word of God which itself tells man their need of Christ and what needs to be done there. What has been done, what they need to do to believe. Man uses religious substitutes in order to reconcile with a God, small g, and think they're going to heaven. And because of man's pride, he believes he can do something on his own to help save himself and take him to heaven. That's the problem with Israel. Israel, they went about doing their own righteousness while denying the righteousness that God had prepared for them if they would only believe. Amen? Gary Miller wrote a book, matter of fact, about Cain. And this is what he says on this one page, and I thought it was good. Religion. You know, man, what we try to do today, we try to join a church. Well, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm going to heaven. Get baptized. Give an offering. Try to be good to your neighbor. 
try to follow some of the commandments, and you think you're going to heaven, when in reality, those are things you've done yourself to try to make yourself ready to go to heaven, and it doesn't work that way. With Christ, I have nothing. The only thing I have is, I believe, what Christ, who he is, what he's done, and that alone's enough to save me, and I believe that. But here's religion, and see if you don't pick it up in a lot of the places here. He says this, it has priesthoods, clergy, clerics, doctorates, professors, talk show personalities, gurus, popes, ayatollahs, mullahs, inmans, shamans as its leaders. Cain's way has a wealth untold, buildings, steeples, candles, tapestries, sanctuaries, robes, altars, communion cups, the Eucharist, masses, ceremonies, confessions, beads, altars, baptisms, books, statues, signs, trinkets, holy waters, psalms, symbols, initiations, and the list goes on and on, limited only by man's evil imagination. Cain's way comes under many different names, such as Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Orthodox, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormonism, Druidism, Catholicism, Taoism, education, intellectualism, positive thinking, Eastern mysticism, communism, socialism, spiritualism. There is no end. They all appear to be different, but they all originate from the same root, the way of Cain, and are built Upon the, upon the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They all deny the blood of Christ as sufficient payment for their sin. That is religion. But thank God for Abel. You see, Abel believed and he obeyed and he did it God's way. And by the sacrifice of another, the innocent animal there shedding his blood, that was the only way to be saved and accepted by God. Abel took God at his word and his authority that it was right, it was true, it was holy. Now, I close with this. Genesis 4, 8. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. That's religion. Religion will kill you. Religion has killed millions throughout history. Amen? You saw it through Roman Catholicism in the early days. They would go in towns. Uh, you read Fox's Book of Martyrs. They'd go into town. There might be 75,000 people in the town and kill every one of them because they would not believe what the Pope said. You have Muslims today around the world who's willing to kill, and they say they're doing it for God. Religion kills people, and we know that. Matthew 23, 35 says this, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel. <laughs> He's condemning them. You've killed all the prophets, and even righteous Abel. All religion is the same. Thank God Abel was righteous, amen? But also 1 John 3, 12, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, 
and wherefore slew him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Why were his works evil? They were of himself. Why were Abel's righteous? Because he trusted in what God said to trust in. Amen? 2 Corinthians 4, 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine. Satan tries the blind man, and he has a great way of doing it through religion. People are blinded. You can, you can talk to somebody. You say, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah. You're going to heaven? Oh, yeah. What are you trusting in? Well, well, you know, I go to church. I'm a good person. I, I help financially. We build a house for somebody. I mean, we, and you never hear, I was a rotten sinner, but I put my faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You just don't hear that. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. For I delivered unto you first of all, which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel for the gospel of grace today. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And when in my heart I believe who Christ is, what he has done is enough to save me, God says it is, so I trust what God says in his word, that's enough for me, I believe that. And when I believe that, 2 Corinthians, it states 5.21, and I'll, well, I'll go this, for I, yeah, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Why? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. When I put my faith in Christ, he takes me out of Adam, he places me into Christ. And as a result of that, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation. Religion is taking the majority of humanity straight to hell. And the only way to escape that is to trust in what God's authority said. He loved you so much he gave his own son to die upon a cross for your sins, for mine, and they buried him, and three days later he rose. That's all you need. Believe that and you can be saved. Not religion, not Cain, but Abel. Father, we love you. We just ask you to be with us this morning. And Lord, I just pray that this message lesson was enlightening in the fact that we can answer questions when they come our way about whether it's about Cain, where he got his wife, why his offering was rejected, and why Abel's was received. God, it just boils down that we have faith in what your word says. And your word for this dispensation of grace is to believe in the gospel and that alone. And God, I'm grateful that one day, when I was 24, that your spirit got a hold of my heart and saved my soul, changed my life, and the journey began. And Lord, that's happened to the multitude of us here, the majority of us. 
But God, if there's some here that's never believed in the gospel, I pray this morning that even right now, they would raise their heart up to you and say, God, I believe. I believe I can't save myself. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe what he did on the cross and the empty tomb. That's sufficient because your word says it is. God, I believe. May they do that even at this moment in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And by the way, if you did, I have a booklet up here. Love to give you. After the service, after you leave, just come up and say, hey, I'd like to have one of those books. I'll give it to you. You can leave right then. We're just grateful that you would decide today to believe in Christ. We hope that you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you to visit us in person. You can watch us live and view past services on our website at gpnd.net. For more information, please visit our website or contact us by phone. Until next week, may God richly bless you as our prayer.